podcast where we interview individuals just like you dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts and growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and finding your new purpose from the loss and tragedy that you have experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm your host. I'm a growth evangelist, as well as being a fellow widower, having lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, uh, Judy. I lost her about five years ago. My guest today is Chris Wassman. He is the co-founder of Istoria Ministry Group, along with his wife, Lori, who co-founded Astoria Ministry. Uh, before his life in counseling and in the ministry, Chris spent many years serving in high-impact roles for several of the fastest-growing churches in the nation, along with serving as a VP of sales and marketing and online travel, and also a veteran serving as a United States Marine in Desert Storm, earning multiple service awards during that time. And also, if you've met Chris in person, uh, multiple tattoos as well from that period, which I love them, Chris. Uh, he's earned a BS in psychology, there you go, from the University of Central Florida, uh, an MA degree in pastoral counseling from Liberty University, and is currently acquiring dual certifications as a Christian life coach and professional life coach as well. And we're going to use all of these experiences from the Marines as a veteran to your ministry, Chris, to your counseling, as we get, begin exploring the role of spirit in the healing Thank process. You, sir. Chris I'm Wasserman, so glad to be welcome. here, Tom. Uh, love getting to know you and seeing the story and watching what's going on with growth to grief and um, just really excited to play a part, even a little one in it. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, man, thank you so much for participating. So many of us who've experienced the loss of our partner, you know, unfortunately, we view our lives as broken in some ways. Um, however, one of the things that you pointed out when we first met was there's a great parallel between these breaks and the healing process and the art of golden joinery, yeah. which is from Japan. Talk about what that is, golden joinery, and how it relates sure. to brokenness so I, I love this example. It's something that we used in the church assimilation process. Um, as we got to know people and talk about um, what did their story look like? What did they overcome to get to that place? Um, what sorts of things had they been through? Um, there's common themes, and that is that everybody's got this brokenness, right, to some degree or another. And so the idea is um, how can we use that, that brokenness, right, uh, to grow the kingdom of God or to be more effective in life. And so um, the Kintsugi concept is really cool. It comes from uh, a Japanese culture where... You know, in our, I think in our culture in America, we're quick to dispose of things. Um, they're all about recycling and they, they respect the elderly, right? We kind of put the elderly out to pasture in a, in a home or something when, they, when we feel like they're no longer useful to society. But in Japanese culture, it's very different. And so it started with a samurai who broke his favorite tea bowl and uh, sourced several people to try to repair it. And the repair did not go so well. Uh, the break was evident, and so he was really upset by that, sourced one more potter to try to fix it. And this guy, instead of um, making the lines disappear or trying to hide the brokenness of it, he actually decided to highlight that part of it by taking some resin filled with 14-karat gold and highlighting those, uh, those cracks. And so the, the, the end result of this is a piece of pottery 
that is clearly broken, but it's actually more valuable uh, because of the gold that's in it. And it's more beautiful with all these lines highlighted and it tells a story. And so um, we use that in the church assimilation process and some of the counseling stuff that I've done just to show people, look, there's value. Um, the brokenness is, it is what it is. That It's not going to go away, but how can we take that and build on it and use that as part of your story to connect with other people and just be real? Yeah, Chris, I think the analogy is a great one, and I've written about it as well, inspired by you introducing it to me. Um, there's beauty in the breaks, and rather than trying to super glue it back together to create the same you that you had before or the same pot that what there was before, yeah. it'll never be the same. And I think that's the first thing to realize in the Kintsugi art is that, look, it's broken. Yeah. It'll never be the same. And now we have to create something new out of it. And how do we do that? Well, we want to put things back together, right? We want to make sure that that pot can still hold the yeah. tea. It can still function. Um, but it doesn't have to be the same, and we shouldn't be trying to hide those imperfections, hide those breaks. Uh, we should instead embrace them. And that's what I love about Golden Jewelry. It emphasizes the breaks. It emphasizes it. And in that, it's it really makes it countercultural so when you think about it. Um, what we found is that uh, week after week, we'd go to church and connect with people, and, and uh, many times it would look the same. We're high-fiving each other at the door. Uh, hey, man, good to see you. Uh, how's everything going? Oh, I'm doing great. Everything's great. You know, got the job. They said, okay, cool. Let's get the kids together. Uh, you know, all those interactions are very, they look very surface level. And the culture today is telling us that that's, it has to look that way on the outside. And that's just not the way it is. It's so much easier mm -hmm. when you can highlight the brokenness. Just say, man, this is what I've had to overcome. But let me tell you what it's done for me. Let me tell you the people that it's connected me to because of it. Um, let me tell you the ways that I've grown from it, my faith and, and in these different areas of life, how much closer I am to my kids because of this pain. Uh, I think when you can take the focus to those, to that brokenness and highlight the good from it, um, it's just, it's countercultural. Yeah, I think the healed uh, breaks are what makes it beautiful. And, but like you're saying, we live in a social media culture where, yeah. you know, hashtag living my best life is what it's all about, right? And it's not about highlighting the breaks. It's about highlighting everything that's perfect or those very special moments that yeah. a lot of times are rare and fleeting. Uh, and what we don't do, whether it be at church or in social media, or even with a lot of our friend groups is share some of these deep wounds and deep pains that we have, the things that are, might not be yeah. healed where we need some help from our friends and, and our church uh, brethren to, to maybe help join with gold. And then when we do have a break, you know, we're reluctant to talk about it because we want to come off as being perfect. Yeah. We want to have that perfect mask on, that perfect look for the world. And we don't share what's really beautiful yeah. and unique. And, about you know, a lot of people of are uncomfortable when they're around somebody that's been through something difficult. And so I know you probably faced that with friends where friends kind of pulled back from you in that season where you went through your loss. Um, you know, I didn't experience that, but I, I did experience a, another hurt where I saw people just kind of push away a little bit because 
they don't know what to say. And so um, culture has really set us up poorly <laughs> for this. Um, it should be okay to talk out loud about it with the idea that, hey, this there's good that can come from this. There's always good. I know it doesn't make sense, but I also know we serve a good and powerful God who's working through this process. And so um, there's a freedom. There's a huge freedom in being able to just be real with people as opposed to having that front on. With the front on, it has to stay up the whole way through. Um, it's exhausting. And, and relationships are only surface level. I think if you can... If people see the reality in you, one thing that I've noticed that happens is that it's almost infectious that they will start to share things with you that are that that they've been dealing with for a long time that's very difficult and need to move through a similar process of healing, right? No matter what it is, but they've had a hard time opening up about that or have never had the opportunity to. So um, it's it's just something that our society again again doesn't set us up well for. Um, but I think if you can if you can navigate it with this mindset, like you're trying to show people, uh, there's a lot of good that can come from it. Yeah, and a lot of it is just sharing, you know, sharing the breaks, sharing the healing that you've gone through. And, um, you know, that can be hard to do as a man. Uh, there aren't very many places where we seem to trust the <laughs> a brother to share to, or even, you know, if it's a sister to share with, right? Um, I know that you, yeah, that you've had some personal pain um, and you've become pretty good at sharing it. I think it's part of your healing process, actually, Um, which inspired me to do a lot of the same uh, because I wasn't sharing as much as I needed to. And one of the things I did experience was something that you spoke about, where in that incongruity between who we are portraying to the world and who we are, mm-hmm. I was exhausted, Chris. I mean, I was literally worn out all of the time until I started that sharing process. How did you begin doing that? Because we've both been through very painful experiences, albeit different. How did you kind of get to the point where you could share some of the most painful moments of your life I think openly? it took... Uh, it took- a process on my side of getting real with my faith. And so it wasn't until God put me on an island and kind of removed a lot of the distractions and allowed me to get to a place where I found everything I needed in that faith and I could start to see some of the victory over those things. And so um, it's part of what we try to work through in our ministry efforts with people um, guiding them down a path of seeing, okay, what are these? What are, first of all, let's identify the hurts. They're there. They're there for everybody. And sometimes we don't realize just how much they're there until we take stock of them and look back and go, wow, when I take inventory, I really have been through a lot. And um, those hurts are leaving a mark along the way. And a lot of times we're not dealing with them well at the time. And so uh, they just kind of get stuffed away, like getting pushed in a suitcase. And so at some point that zipper's not going to be able to hold everything in. So um, we guide people through a process of looking at the lies that stem from that, the things that we kind of tell ourselves that were insignificant or that I didn't do a good enough job on on whatever that was. There's guilt and shame and, and all kinds of things that come along with it where either we've been let down by people, we've been let down by circumstance, or we've been let down by ourselves, quite honestly, and not responded to something well. And so those hurts... I think until you're you're in a place where you can really reconcile your faith 
with God and what he says about those things. Um, there, there, I don't know of another way to, to get on the other side of this. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think you really have to be reflective of what your hurts are and dig deep. I think as I went through the exercise with you, we happened to be on a retreat together. Um, and we went through the hurt exercise of identifying those pains, identify the hurts. I think one of the key things for me was, is making sure it wasn't just about the immediate hurt, perhaps in the loss of my wife or whatever the, the immediate one is that you may be dealing with. Yeah. It was going back and going back some more and going back even that much further. And in therapy, those of us who've been through therapy, you'll know that they try to take you back a long way. And a lot of times, some of the hurt or how it's how the hurt is manifesting itself around the loss of your spouse, which is probably yeah. the immediate hurt that we're all dealing with. Um, a lot of that is compounded by issues that are unresolved in past hurts, whether that be acceptance issues or love issues or mm. uh, forgiveness issues. And it's just compounding on top of those. But if you don't address those issues, or at least identify the yes. hurts that go way, way back, I think sometimes you could focus so much on the hurt today and then wonder why you're not getting over the loss. Maybe as soon as you thought or your friends thought or whatever it is, and granted, there's no timeline for it, but we all know that sometimes we've been disappointed in how long we've been holding on to things. I think in my personal journey until I went to therapy and started to think about those real past foundational hurts from six, seven, eight years old, it wasn't clarifying my yeah. loss and hurt today. Man, I love um, the language that, that you're bit. using this, um, just the, the word compound, right? Is that those things, they build up over time. And it's so, I, it's easy for me to look back and say, my dad was really tough on me as a kid, but that's no big deal. I overcame it. I went in the Marines, you know, this, that, and the other. It toughened me up. It was good for me. And not really ever sort of acknowledge the lies that came from that, that I started to tell myself or not really ever deal with the unforgiveness in my heart over those circumstances. And so um, you're absolutely right. It's a compounding effect. And then, and then you wonder why, like you say, that we find ourselves in a cycle, right? We say, well, I'm doing fine for a while and then something happens. And especially with the loss of a spouse, uh, I can't imagine that would be the perfect, not excuse, I don't wanna say excuse, it would be the perfect platform for an outpouring of all of the hurt from the past, uh, all of those lies to come together mm -hmm. and really make you question yourself. And I know um, there was dark seasons in, in the worst of my hurts. There were dark seasons where I legitimately questioned my sanity <laughs> saying, am I crazy? I'm thinking, thinking <laughs> these things, but I don't, maybe I'm missing it. And I, do I need to ask a few people around me, uh, what's going on and why I'm not processing this well. Um, but you're right. It, it is, it's a, um, it's a culmination of those things. And until you have the opportunity to really sit down, reflect on them, and come to some sort of resolution and, and button those things up from the past. Um, it's a tough, that's a tough battle to carry, to carry that stuff along and then deal with something as tremendous as the loss of a spouse. Exactly. I completely agree with that. Now, one of the ways, Chris, to kind of help to overcome some of those past hurts 
and the pains is, as you said, you kind of tell lies to yourself. It's identifying those lies. Talk, give us a, an example or two of that, uh, perhaps, and then kind of how you can begin to overcome, transcend those lies, those negative thoughts that kind of uh, portray the story that we've told ourselves to sure. kind of so, deal with uh, those old When thoughts. we work people through the ministry program that we have, uh, we try to take focus on those two things, on the mind and the heart, um, because those tend to be the places where these things get caught up. Um, the lies get caught up in the mind and in our mental process, um, even down at a subconscious level. And then the unforgiveness in the heart is just that that deep feeling of there's unresolved hurt inside of there. And if not dealt with, that that's going to turn into resentment, and eventually destruction is what it's going to turn into. And those are the things that cause you to respond in ways that you don't even want to respond that way. And so you get angry in the car. Uh, all of this stuff is a byproduct of this unresolved hurt and anger that's going on in there. So the lies, for example, um, you know, I, I had mentioned before that I'm inadequate, right? Because I couldn't do this. I couldn't take care of my spouse correctly or um, that marriage failed or a business failed or my dad was tough on me as a kid or um, I was let go from a job, whatever it is, they create these little doubts um, that kind of camp out in the back of our mind. And there's scripture that speaks directly to every one of them that says who we are in God and um, who we are in God. What we think about God says everything about us. It also says everything about what we think about ourselves, uh, because God says something about us. And we either mm -hmm. have to come in alignment with that or or wrestle with it. Uh, right. Until you get to a point of, OK, I, I believe what you say about me. So um, we walk people through a process of, of doing that. But we we believe strongly that that that's a huge part of overcoming this. Um, the, the hurts, I call them hurts. I know it's. It's grief is specifically on here, but um, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, it goes to me, the grief goes often back to other things that are kind of amplifying it at the time. So completely agree with that. When it comes to forgiveness, I think that can be an incredible tool for overcoming the hurts out of the grieving process. You know, many of us widowers are carrying a lot of hurts where we've been tough on ourselves. Maybe we feel like, you know what, we could have done something differently in the treatment process. Or perhaps we were harboring resentment during the sickness process towards our spouse. You know, we knew it wasn't their fault, but that doesn't yeah. mean that you don't resent certain things of your lot in life that you've been given through, through your partner. Um, perhaps there were things that were said mm -hmm or left unsaid that you're not forgiving yourself. And then there are all those past hurts that there's also forgiveness that needs to be given. Forgiveness can be an incredible tool in this healing process. It's probably um, talk about that. the scariest part for people. Um, believing the lies or believing something different about the lies, that's kind of easy to talk through with people. When you open up uh, forgiveness, people tend to be a little bit tentative about that. And I think some of it comes from um, just a misunderstanding about what it is and what it's not, right? So forgiveness isn't reconciliation every time. It doesn't mean putting yourself back in a bad situation, for example. 
um, all it is is taking the responsibility of that and handing it off to the Lord um, where it belongs. He's the one that they're accountable to. And so, um, you know, you've probably heard people talk about how you keep yourself in jail uh, with this unforgiveness. And that's it. It's a, it's a it will erode away at you from the inside out if you hang on to this stuff. And so um, we walk people through a process of what that looks like. We have some um, theory on even self-forgiveness and what that looks like and how to go about it that we take people through uh, on these retreats. And so um, I would say that, that that is probably the most powerful part of what we do is helping people just offload some things that don't belong to them, uh, that they've been carrying around for, for way too long. So you identify the hurts and the pain. There's usually something associated with that that often requires forgiveness. And that could be forgiveness of yourself and maybe something that you did and you regret and you want to ask for forgiveness on that. Or something that someone else did to you, whether purposely, not purposely, doesn't matter. Like you said, this isn't a matter of acquiescing to it or approving what they did or somehow making it all right, right? Um, even for yourself, it's about just realizing like, look, I'm human, they're human. Um, and if I hold on to this, either against myself and the things I'm not forgiving myself for, or the things that yeah. people might've done me big wrongs, but I need to forgive them because yeah. it gets me out of jail. And so for every hurt, there's usually some kind of forgiveness mm -hmm. that you can align with that. And one of the things I think that was so great in what you took us through was making sure you're saying those things out loud. And I did this in a walk in the woods, which is the culmination of a multi-day retreat that we went on with a story ministry group. And um, it was powerful because we had identified everything, uh, but identifying it is only part one. Uh, if anything, it brought some things up and I'm like, oh yeah, wow. I didn't realize. And then, so I started to build a list of, okay, here's all the hurts. And then here's, and then I started to also go through all of the things that I did wrong that I really needed forgiveness for. And that list just kept yeah, growing and growing. We tend to ignore <laughs> as well. So, and then, you know, in the forgiveness side. yeah, yeah. And as I started to think through it, it, yeah, it just kept getting longer and then, and then also what others that I needed to I let go of say, them. There's so, even go ahead, circumstantial Chris. things that have nothing to do with anybody. It was just the wrong place at the wrong time. And, but it's a hurting event in your life that you've been <laughs> hanging on to for a long time. Um, you'd be surprised how many people n need to hand some things off to God that they, they, their, their perception of what happened is God, how could you let this happen to me? And it's, it's a natural perception, but there's some forgiveness. There's some offloading that needs to happen there and some recognition that, hey, this didn't come from this didn't come from you. We live in a fallen and broken world. You made it perfect. And so um, I've been holding this, holding my fist up to you. And now I'm realizing that's not the God that you are. And so there's uh, you'd be surprised. People need to go through a forgiveness process with God. It sounds weird, but. No, there's, uh, I think that's really appropriate. There's a lot of widowers who would say, you know what, uh, for me, I gained faith yeah. through this process. There's a lot that I've talked to who have lost faith. You know, they, 
they're like, God, if you're a loving God, how could you let this happen to it's someone natural, as beautiful trouble. as my wife who was there for everybody? You know, you left me and you took her, how, you know, yeah. that's unforgivable, quote unquote. Right? <laughs> and so you're harboring that. And a lot of people have lost faith as a result. So I do think that's that's something to consider as well. It's forgive others, forgive yourself. And also, you know, come to a reconciliation on how you may be doubting God because you're maybe harboring some how resentment you there. View God, uh, it determines everything. What your view of Him and who He is, and where He fits into all of this, it determines everything for how you're going to come out on the other side of this process. And so. Um, part of the process sometimes is just that for people is really a reconciliation of what do I really believe? Have I made some assumptions along the way that aren't accurate? Uh, am I just, was I just attending church for all of those years to kind of check a box and go through the process, but I wasn't really getting mm -hmm. relational with God. I don't really understand that I needed a savior, that Jesus is who he says he was that that fixes everything for me and that I have every reason to have hope, even in the midst of the, the worst type of thing, like losing a, a spouse, right? So um, the, the, the process that we work through is meant to do just that, to create a moment between um, the, the people that come on the retreat and their creator. It's not our program. It's, it's not me. They don't need me. They need a savior. And so uh, hopefully we set them up well mm -hmm. For that conversation, that walk in the woods like you took on Sunday to just meet with their meet with their maker and say, hey, I, I had a chance to kind of take stock of what I thought about you and how all these things that have happened to me and kind of hurts that have built up along the way. And um, I think I, I think I understand what, what you're calling me to now. Yeah, identifying the pain, going through forgiveness. I think one of the next steps that was so important was transcending. Talk about what that is and why that's so important to ultimate so, healing. Uh, transcend, it can be a word that throws a lot of people off. It sometimes make you think of like um, Eastern religion uh, and things of that nature. But the Bible speaks mm -hmm. in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 uh, about a peace that transcends all understanding. Right. It, uh, the verse starts off telling us, do not be anxious about anything, which is kind of laughable when you first mm -hmm. read it. Uh, do not be anxious about anything. We live in an anxious culture and um, it's almost been made cool to be as busy as you can and schedule yourself so thin and have all this busyness and anxiety in your life. And so um, that phrase in and of itself is really difficult to swallow. But it says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so um, that is kind of the theme verse for what we do, is how do we get to this place of peace that it doesn't make sense otherwise. And, and look, there's nothing about losing a spouse that makes sense. You could easily drive yourself crazy asking the why question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that could be said about 
most of the hurts. Um, I've been on the other side of the table with quite a few people and I've heard some things that are just, um, they're terrible. Things that have happened to people that you wouldn't wish on your mm -hmm. worst enemy. <clears throat> and so um, it's really heart-wrenching and there's never ever a good why uh, to hand back to them, but that's the thing that they want most. It's the thing that I wanted most. God, why is this happening? Why, what glory could you possibly get from mm -hmm. what's going on in my life right now? This does not make sense. How are my kids going to benefit from what's happening? Um, and I know as a widower, you have to be asking the same questions. There is no good why. But exactly. what there is, is hope that, that goes beyond that, that allows you to not look at that as meaningless, but look at that in scale of God's glory and what he is doing and the eternal um, vision, if you will. And so uh, that's that's kind of where we come from on that. It's a piece that can't be given by our program, by this podcast. It's only going to come one-on-one -on -one in a relationship with Jesus once you've acknowledged that and um, come to that place of brokenness where you say, uncle, I give. And uh, this is... It's the most difficult thing for people. I was in the Marines, man. Uh, surrender. Our faith is about surrendering to God and saying, okay, I needed that Savior. I needed Jesus to come help me out because we botched it and we're sinful. And that's my true nature, and I'm sorry. And that idea of surrender, that's a bad word in the Marines. Uh, and we're dudes. We don't surrender. We fix it, mm -hmm. right? And so it's counter intuitive to everything that we know to give in but the idea is once you do once you decide okay i don't have to process this i don't have to fix it i don't have to i don't have to do the the all this work uh in order to get there i literally just have to hand it over to god and say this is yours i can't handle it it's too heavy for me to carry i need you to carry it for me and i need you to carry me forward and he'll do it. And it's it's unbelievable the release that happens at that point, that peace in your heart and the peace in your mind that kind of transcends. It doesn't make sense. And so um, that's my, my little pitch on transcending peace. And Chris, I think it's really important for those who are working through this journey, as I did. You know, I worked on my mind. I worked on my body first. Um, I work through forgiveness even, but until I really surrendered, I don't think I achieved that ultimate peace. And if ever I start to take back control and go back to the old control enthusiast, Tom, all of a sudden that peace acquiesces and yeah. I have to get back to it and reinforce and, and kind of get back to that complete surrender. Um, I think it's an important element and you can work on a lot of things. You can go to therapy, you can do uh, mm -hmm. a lot of other works to kind of get yourself in a better yeah. spot. Do it, work out at the gym, Yes. Go to, go to group exercise, practice yoga, meditation, work on having a growth mindset. All of those things are positive, but transcend is something that can only occur through this spiritual surrendering 
to God and to Christ. Right. And, and I think that's something that a lot of us, it, it, you know, some get it right away. I've had several widowers on who had faith going into it, faith through the disease process, faith through the, the passing, faith through their healing. And it has helped tremendously. For me, it was the opposite. And I think more yeah. people come at it from that angle in this journey. Um, I did not experience that peace fully until I went through the forgiveness. I went through the thanks. Mm-hmm. And then I ultimately surrendered. And that is when the peace and the Holy Spirit yeah. kind of was there for me in yeah, ultimate healing. Um, you're so right. You can you can try to run it out, right, uh, or, or work it out at the gym. And, <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. As you said, um, there's healing in that. It's scientifically shown that there's, there's healing in those things. There's also science, though, that shows, um, you know, Scripture speaks about the renewal of our mind. But do this by the renewal of your mind. So it's saying it's possible... Mm-hmm to rewire how I think about things. Um, and scientifically, they're starting to prove that these very things that, that we can literally rewire the way we think, we can literally rewire the way that we're feeling about things and this burden that we're taking on. Um, whole health is kind of where you were moving towards just a moment ago when you talk about we're spiritual beings, right? We're spiritual beings having to live in a physical body mm-hmm. and have a mind and a will, um, which is what makes us different than the animals, right? We we can think through things and have logic and, and all of that. And so um, a lot of people are okay with taking care of the physical part, right? That, uh, if I hurt myself, I go to the doctor. There's not even a question of how you handle the physical part. The mental health part, uh, albeit mm-hmm. young, it started maybe a hundred years ago. And um, unfortunately it was funded by the government and it was aimed at taking care of war veterans. And so um, it automatically got kind of a negative mm-hmm. connotation instead of being a, a positive thing, mental health. But we've now kind of we're getting to a point where it's okay to talk about mental health and they're starting to talk about, okay, there's (laughs) things that overlap. So if I have um, things that I'm struggling with mentally, it has an impact on me physically and vice versa. If I have physical ailments, Mm -hmm. it's weighing Mm -hmm. on me mentally. Now we need to move to a place where we're comfortable talking about, okay, spiritually, what does this mean for us? We are three-part beings. That's the way it spells it out in the Bible. That's the way we are created with this spirit that God breathed into us, right? We need to nurture that part of our being, and it can't be nurtured in an hour on a Sunday by checking the box. It's got to be a process where you say, <laughs> okay, I have, a, I have needs as a spiritual being, and I need to try to meet those needs. And, I, and the only way to meet them is through this relationship with God. So... Uh, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start taking care of that part of myself. Chris, you're spot on with that. And I, and I want to emphasize this because it's something that took me a while to get to. And a dear friend pointed it out in stark terms to me, um, how much time I was spending in the gym, two a days, probably three, three and a half hours, some, some days how much time I was spending reading growth podcasts, kind of my mind part, another hour at least a day, sometimes a little more, and then how much time I was spending on spirit every day. And it was pitiful when I did the math. (laughs) And it turned out that it was, you know, 
most uh, on average, maybe just a few minutes a day. And then I was wondering why, you know, it's like a three legged stool is just completely unbalanced. And so I really made an effort to try to balance it out. Yeah, it's still not all the way there. But every day you have to dedicate yourself to all three on this journey. If you want to heal, if you want to become functioning, if you want to become that, yes. Kasugi, that more beautiful whole, you know, you've got to take care of the breaks, but not just take care of them. You've got to work on them. So they're joined in a golden way, right? Mm -hmm. In a more special way. And that does take effort, but my goodness, Glory, what, how beautiful it, it will be afterwards when it's joined in that way. And those breaks are, you're able to emphasize them because you've done the work in mind, body, and spirit to join them in an incredibly it's beautiful possible way. It's possible the culture today is telling us to do the very opposite of what you and I are talking about, Tom. And so, um, you know, the, the popular mm -hmm. thing is you do you, right? Do whatever makes you happy, express yourself this way. Everybody's so confused. Uh, about who they are, um, they're missing the very the very core of it. Uh, and I think, um, you know, what you were saying before about where you spent your time when a friend asked you about that, it's so true, right? I, I was that guy. You, I could say, this is what I believe in. Yeah, I'm Christian. This is what I believe in. But if you looked at my checkbook and my calendar, you would question that. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, now I'd like mm -hmm. to believe that my family is kind of making this shift and hopefully what's happening here in the Wasman family is going to be something that changes generations um, and that we'll be able to have an impact on other people by just sharing what God has done through us. And I think that is, that's the beauty of the Kintsugi, right? By taking these things that we've learned along the way, highlighting them and saying, look, I found myself there. There's something healing it's why your group is so strong together. There's something really healing about looking across the table at somebody and saying, I, I get it. I know, I know what the, the exact, the pain that you're feeling of the loss of a loved one. I I'm in the same place and automatically their shoulders come down and they think, wow, this guy knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so, um, I think that's what we're called to in life is to do exactly that, to find people and connect to them and, find this common thread of brokenness and talk about the ways to, to use those things for growth. Yep. And you've got to spend time in the gym. You've got to spend time in the books and the podcasts, and you've got yes, to sir. spend time in the word and balancing them out, I think is an important aspect to kind of getting that complete healing. And as you said, when you're sitting across from a brother who's lost his wife as well, um, you know, you're one of the people that can see the beauty in that and kind of what can come from that. If you're if you're doing the work and you've gone through the journey, like you've been golden joined, maybe not complete yet, but you've been golden joined. And then you can start to share that with them to say, look, this doesn't yeah. have to be as ugly as it is right now with all these breaks can be beautiful again. And your life can have meaning and, and purpose again in a new way. And as you said, with the Wasman family, hopefully with the Pasella yes. family as well, it can be generational, this gift, right? So, Chris, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our widowers, our growth warriors uh, with? I today? think what you're doing is tremendous by creating community. I think that's what we need. Um, 
we are not at our best when we're off on our own, when we go into a silo, which is where the enemy wants us. There's a real enemy out there and he wants us distracted and alone. Um, our thoughts can get the better of us in that place. Our, our habits go down the tube when we're not in community. There, there's just so much bad that can come from it. And so I think surrounding yourself with a group of people that are moving in the direction that you want to move in. And so for me, that's people that are dialed in on their faith, people that are trying, not believers, but knowers, people that say, I know that God is real. I know Jesus is who he says he is. And I'm trying to do what he's calling me to do. I'm going to make an effort every day to do it. Am I going to get it right? Probably not, but I'm going to make an effort and I want to be around a group of people that will do the same thing and lift me up when I'm not getting it done. Chris, how can people find and reach you online? Learn a little sure. bit more uh, about your ministry. I don't know if you have the ability to leave links in the commentary or anything like that, but you could always post the website there. That's the greatest we way do. to stay connected to us is just through our website. We keep a list of the upcoming events, retreats, and we do uh, worship nights. So if any of your audience is local to the Orlando area, once a month, um, we host a thing actually at our home where we bring people in and for an hour, just turn on worship music and let the Lord do the ministering. And um, it's a really cool time to connect. And so um, those types of things are on the website. If the program sounds interesting to them, uh, there's a little explanation about the program. The transcend program is what we call it um, that we walk people through. And so um, we would welcome opportunities to minister to other people. Uh, God, God has opened so many doors along the way since we decided to devote this stuff to him. And so I trust that if somebody's listening right now, this is this may very well be the sign that they were looking for to um, start to engage on on their faith walk. And so I hope I hope that we get to play a part in that. It is historiaministrygroup.org. We'll put it in the show notes in the transcription, Chris. And uh, indeed, your worship nights is where many of the poems that are included in the articles that uh, are written and included on Growth Through Grief, um, many of them are inspired during those worship nights. I'll sit there while the music is playing, while people are um, exercising their faith. Uh, yeah. I journal along with one of your daughters and uh, just absolutely love the inspiration. You become that you a very so thank dear you, brother. friend and a mentor and uh, just a partner in, in life. And so thank you for all that you've poured into me, to my family and to our ministry, Tom. We appreciate you. And I love what you're doing with this, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to our Growth Through Grief podcast. If you like what you heard, please Hit the like button, subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.